Greetings, this is Metatron, coming to you live from Angel Radio, and I'm joined here today with my compadres, Walt. What's up, people? Jose. Hola, what's going on, Internet? Elias. What's Gucci, fam? And my most, uh, most boiling friend over here, Asap Balrog. Beard the deer, fear the Balrog. <laughs> <laughs> today, we will be conducting... An experiment of sorts. So, just some quick background. I've had to put together a slight, a slight collaboration between mm-hmm. universes. So we have Walt over here in collaboration with the Empire, me with the Angels, and ASAP over here with the Mordorian Empire. And together, we have created a nice little place called Pizza Planet. And what we will be doing on Pizza Planet Mm -hmm. is that we are going to host our very first Superhero Smackdown. I can smell the anchovies. (laughs) (laughs) That's supposed to signify battle. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who is going to be fighting today? Maybe not the superheroes, but the super villains. Our first Smackdown is a pretty good one. So to warm us (laughs) up... We are going to feature the infamous Jungle Hunter Predator mm-hmm. versus the T-800 Terminator. Who would win? That's our and discussion. for our feature prize fight, mm. we have two colliding universes. Hailing from the Marvel Universe, we have... The Mad the Titan! Thanos. <laughs> and from the DC Universe, the Dark Overlord of the Planet Apocalypse, Darkseid. But first, breaking news. I have it on good authority from an orc scouting party of mine that's two days late from its patrol and missing some of its personnel that, one, a potential reboot of the Pirates of the Caribbean series may be written by the Deadpool writers. And two, a Hawkeye film or television series is reportedly in internal development at Marvel Studios with the focus set to be on Hawkeye training a new archer. Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't know that one. Interesting. I wonder if that's going to tie into like maybe the possible Ronin storyline that they're thinking of introducing in Avengers 4. That was a good catch for a little bit of breaking news for the week. It legit just came out, and I'm glad my scouting party was able to gather that info, even though I don't know why they're missing some of their personnel. Well, I mean, this was very, very valued information, so you figured that a few Gondorians were chasing them down on horseback (laughs) or something like that. You figure... They always want to get the scoop. They're just not going to make it back sometimes. A sad bit of news for the past week. But, hey, that's what occurs, and that's some pretty interesting breaking news that we have so far for this week. Moving on from breaking news and into more important news, we have rapper names by Crank Lucas, a YouTube artist. And tune up. The XXL 2019 Freshman Class featuring Lil Tilray. Lil Toe Ring, Young and Stigmatism, P&B Sandwich, Grit Booty Eater 31 at AOL.com, Pablo Putin Montana Luther King, Young Buffalo Wild Wing Host, Tyron Lou, Zyquel, Lil IUD, Croatian Bundles, Stringer Bell Pepper, Young Fibromyalgia, Dumpster Juice Jump Socks. I like that one. Kanye East. Oh. 21 Spaz Out. 22 Spaz Out. 
98 spaz out. 752 spaz out. Maggie's pacifier. Tommy's job. Wacky inflatable for R2, man. Polynesian sauce problems. WNBA microbreeds. Yeah, 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 rah, rah, blah, blah, blah. And Donald Trump. And there we have it, folks. A little bit of a fun YouTube video. So like, so like ASAP. Is that supposed to be like a commentary on like the rappers' names of today? <laughs> Indeed, it's supposed to be a commentary slash reality check. Yeah, I would that, say that a better reality check would be just a bunch of rappers named Little Something, because that's pretty much everybody's name these days. Little Pump, Little Yachty, Little What Else, Little Uzi Vert. Yes, everybody's little. Why is everybody little? What happened to little all the big rappers? Little Skies, right? Yeah, notorious B.I.G. What, nobody's as big as he is? Like, come on, man. And a lot of these little people aren't necessarily so little, but whatever. I don't know. That's an interesting little segment for rapper name. My favorite one had to be Tommy's Job. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Tommy, Tommy's Job, basically when they showed the picture, there was nobody there, which is a callback to the old show Martin, Martin. where <laughs> Tommy was always rumored to have a job, but nobody knew what he was doing. <laughs> that was the best. Yeah, OGs know that reference, that's for sure. I liked, uh, as a big fan of The Wire and as a big fan of now the that creator show, The Deuce on HBO, Stringer Bell Pepper stood out to me because Stringer <laughs> Bell is the name of one of the most important characters. I think that was Idris Elba's character. <laughs> On the wire, that was one of the shows that popularized him in America. So I like Stringer Bell Pepper. That's the one that I like. Oh my gosh, that sounded pretty fun, pretty interesting. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, guys! After all right, after that little ray of sunshine, we're gonna move into some Star Wars news. Oh, in regards to the Empire that Walt hails from, we got some hey, speculation on Episode Nine. That we are very likely going to see Darth Vader's Force Ghost in the movie, and I, I am it. just so excited for that, man. I believe it. I think. I think. Well, you think about how Mark Hamill is already confirmed to be in Episode Nine. How the heck else is he going to be in it? He's going to be either flashbacks or he's going to be the new Obi Wan, right? He's going to be the new Blue Force Ghost. So if you include him. And then, well, it's 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 a scene with Darth Vader that's apparently rumored to be in Episode Nine between him and Kylo Ren, if I'm not mistaken, right? So yeah, that kind of goes with the whole balance of the Star Wars universe. I think it. Makes let's sense. not let's not forget the Sidious leak that I mentioned one time in my quick slice. Right, like Sidious mm -hmm. may be in Episode Nine. Right, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring back a lot of these like sort of legendary Star Wars characters and kind of fold them into the canon now. Like again, you know, Luke's Force Ghost, Sidious. Who the heck knows my might, might even, even show up? Not just that. I don't, I don't know if you guys um, heard this yet, but they may go back to the original trilogy planet. So you may see Endor again. You may see Coruscant. You may see Tatooine. You may see Yavin again. That's a great way to bring the whole thing literally like very much full circle indeed. after all these episodes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, this, this, uh, this, whole, this whole slate of movies has been all about Darth Vader and you know his rise, his fall, his redemption and now his grandson who's been fixated on dark vader how could you not bring him in you know all mm -hmm. he ever wants to do is he wants to be the new dark vader um you've already gone two movies without him you have to bring him in the third one it just makes sense yeah and actually um i actually found out another interesting piece of information um 
I, I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw one of these stories where it's like in the comics, the, mind you, the Marvel run of, I, I believe it's Marvel. Mm-hmm. The Marvel run of comics is canon, much like the Clone Wars and the Rebel right, series. Right. They introduced a very interesting new concept where Darth Sidious and uh, Darth Vader, I believe they're on Mustafar, and they're going into the backgrounds mm-hmm. of Vader's castle, mm-hmm. and they run into an old Sith Lord, and get this, he is a Force Revenant, mm-hmm. but he's possessing a mask. Interesting. So that could be a way for... Well, Darth Vader's now destroyed mask to still have. Yes, maybe it could some be his, his anchor. Mm-hmm. And here's the other. And most of you are probably going to be like, oh, well, he resolved himself in the end. Anakin became a good guy. But here's my combat to that. Mm-hmm. Whenever Darth Vader was met with someone who once knew Anakin Skywalker, he would always say this I destroyed Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. It is just Vader now. You know how I take that as? I take that as like. Uh, like two different personalities. So when Vader died, or rather Anakin died in mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi, fine. Anakin broke away. He's a, he's a Jedi Force ghost. But who's not to say ah. that the evil of Darth Vader lingered on and that in the... And it could very possibly reside in the mask. Because we... Yeah, and that's just that's been what's on my mind lately because that is just such a cool way to bring it back. And they won't they wouldn't have put that in the comics that are canon for nothing. Right. They do that in the the same thing in the MCU. They always are dropping these little tidbits that pay off later. And that'd be actually be really cool really cool if you think about it, because the concept would be interesting since it is, as we will mention, Anakin and Darth Vader's story. For them to resolve the conflict finally, or maybe bring actual balance, maybe I don't know, come together in some way. That's out there, and writing that would be problematic, maybe. But yeah, because of the fact that Vader, Anakin is so central to the story, if you have some sort of conflict or some sort of interaction between, like you said, the now past Anakin, who's become a Blue Force ghost, and Darth Vader, his other side, anchored to the mask. There's something to that that could definitely be like a very great yin-yang, light side, dark side, maybe even gray Jedi conflict, which is kind of what it seems to be like what they're leaning towards with the way that Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker acted in The Last Jedi. He was very much like the gray Jedi that we've seen in other Star Wars fiction, like uh, among other things, Knights of the Old Republic uh, 2, I believe, was the one that had the gray Jedi. But I might be wrong on that one. But I think that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense as a possible way to, to... to bookend the story and it's also interesting because it it, this little piece of information that um metatron was is bringing out Mm -hmm. regarding the helmet the comics the spirit of dark vader the castle and all that the castle and all that but specifically with the helmet um in force awakens we do see kylo ren kind of speaking to the helmet Mm -hmm. what how about in, instead of speaking to the helmet, maybe he's communing with Darth Vader's spirit at that point. Mm-hmm. It it kind of changes the way you look at Force Awakens, and you, it changes the way you look at that scene because now, mm-hmm. before you're you're thinking, you know, oh, it's it's like one of these things where you know, like you go to like a cemetery and you you're speaking to a person, you know, you're kind of doing it in a way to you know, kind of keep your 
I don't, I don't even know how to like say a connection it. it's like source, a connection right? you're trying to keep that connection but now given this information maybe there was an actual conversation going on there you know with Darth Vader's spirit speaking to Kylo it it changes the way you look at that scene in that movie it even changes the line from the last Jedi where he says that you need to let the past die because you think about it he might have been referring to the fact that he was communing with darth vader's freaking ghost the entire time and then he finally said to himself when he decided to become the leader forget about darth vader for for you know forget about all these other characters that are leading me i'm the boss now and that's his way of letting the past die i mean that's one possible way to interpret that line then again we, we know that the movies weren't really written in tandem but you figure that jj abrams now that he's writing the third movie is trying to find a way to tie together both his Force Awakens and Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi, which Boy, they were taking totally crazy directions. Yeah, yeah that's going to be almost impossible. But but there's I a way to do it. I think it could be good still. Yeah, there's, there's a way to do it, but it's it it requires a lot of work on J.J. Abrams' part, and you know it's kind of unfortunate that these movies were done without the benefit of you know them talking to each other and without the benefit of somebody really overseeing the whole storyline sort of to architect. make sure that mm-hmm. you know they were hitting certain plot points along the way and keeping it you know within the same kind of framework you know and it doesn't seem like that it seems like jj has his vision ryan johnson <laughs> smashed it smashed that vision <laughs> and changed it and now we're back to jj abrams and maybe he retcons a lot of the stuff that that you know ryan johnson did in uh, the Last Jedi, maybe he runs with it. They could but, be red herrings, right? They yeah, be, you just you know. say that. Oh, that stuff about you know uh, Ray not having any famous parentage. You could say, you know what? Forget about it. They weren't just filthy junk traders that drank themselves to death. It and could he, be Asidious and it, and it or somebody be, like that. It could be Kylo Ren kind of doing, you know, his version of the truth, kind of like the way Obi Wan, yeah. you know claimed it to, to Luke. You it know. was the truth from a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. Maybe Kylo Ren is telling the truth from a certain point of view. Maybe her adopted parents were the nobodies, mm-hmm. but she has a greater lineage that she's not aware of. So, you know, I mean, there are ways to change this. Um, let's just hope that the ways that they change it is coherent enough that we can believe it as Star Wars fans. I mean, I guess we could say at this point that, for me at least, Episode Nine could either be really, really awesome in the way they tie it together, but if J.J. Abrams drops the ball, it could be the train wreck that some of the prequels were. At least yeah. us, like I said, everybody has a different opinion on the prequels. And J.J. Abrams has a, a, the reputation of starting franchises great. He has mm-hmm. also the reputation of not ending them all that great. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I- yeah, and on the topic of people being dead, um, wow. Boba <laughs> is dead, guys. And also, the movie that he was supposed to have is dead. And if you want my two cents on it, I don't really think we needed it. I'm sorry. <laughs> that that That's just me. And we, we had this discussion in, what, one of the first episodes of our podcast? Yeah, we did. What exactly has Boba Fett done, aside from standing there and looking cool? Now, I get that this movie could have been a very nice way to show, oh, wow, this guy actually has some nice feats under his belt. But uh, aside from that, he's just one of those, uh, for, for me at least, he was just one of those background characters that are like, okay, so you're there. Awesome. 
Yeah, I, I, I think I actually have to agree with you pretty much 100% because Boba Fett, again, he stood around and looked cool in movies. Then all of a sudden, Harrison Ford, Han Solo goes, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, knocks him into the pit, Sarlacc pit. He screams, ah, falls in. You never see him again. He does pretty much nothing like really badass other than like say badass things throughout the Star Wars movies. So, but you bring up a good point. Maybe the movie would have been a good way to to create sort of a backstory for his feats. But if you think about it, there's going to be another even better way to create a backstory for Boba Fett that will include even more cool stuff. If you have the movie, you have you have to to kind of go up against the one terrible death that he died and add as many moments as you can to make him cool again in two hours. But if you have a TV show, hey oh, well, that's a good way for you to add a lot more detail to Boba Fett. And, I mean, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on the movie, but we do have some thoughts on The Mandalorian. Well, I, I, I will say this one thing about the movie. And for, for a character that debuted in the holiday special, Boba Fett has gone a long way. <laughs> okay? Um, this is true. But I'm going to take a different tack to this. Mm -hmm. I think a Boba Fett movie would have been beneficial for the Star Wars universe. And follow me on this, okay? Mm -hmm. You have Disney Play, right? That's the new streaming service that Disney is trying to put out. Okay? Yeah. But in order for you to watch it, you got to pay for it, right? So yeah. that there's you got to be certain that there's content there that you want to see. If you do a Boba Fett movie, right? You you introduce the character back again, a mm -hmm. character that for whatever reason, good, bad, or indifferent, is a beloved character in the Star Wars universe, despite <laughs> yeah. the fact that, like everybody here at this table has said, hasn't really done much except look cool, hold the blaster a certain way, and fall into a Sarlacc pit, which, as of this point, people are still speculating whether he's still alive or not because <laughs> his Mandalorian armor is out in the world and being sold actively in the comics and in in some canon lore out there. So maybe mad about that. Yeah. So there's uh, there's some questions. But going back to what I was saying, I think that having a Boba Fett movie would have been beneficial for Disney because now you're putting the Mandalorian armor, the Mandalorian tradition back into the forefront. Maybe you even introduce the character that's in the TV show in the movie. And that is kind of like a great commercial for the show. Mm -hmm. Conversely, a commercial for Disney play, which everybody knows Star Wars fans, they're going to sign up and subscribe for the, the Disney, Disney play um, streaming service. Mm -hmm. The trick is getting everybody else to. So if you have a Boba Fett movie, everybody's going to go see the movie. You introduce the Mandalorian in some aspect, and then maybe when they get out of the movie, they're like, hmm, didn't I hear that there's going to be a TV show? Where is that? Oh, it's Disney Play. How much a month? Hmm, maybe I'll actually drop some money and, and subscribe to it. It would have been a great commercial for the the for the Disney sh uh, streaming show. Um, but, you know, that's my take on it. I, I think it's an interesting way. And Star Wars has always been a vehicle to push toys to push comic <laughs> books why not push a streaming service that's going to come out pretty soon i guess that's one way that you could think about it and 
I mean, I I still think sometimes TV is a better vehicle to deliver some of these more complex characters. Oh, absolutely. But you know what? Either way, we're going to see these characters get delivered one way or another. It just really depends now on on how they want to do it. And it seems like they don't want to do it in a cinematic way, in a movie way, I should say. So I guess we'll see. I'm actually kind of excited for the TV series because I think it's a lot more of a good way to flesh out the character. But we'll see how it goes. And we'll see what Disney Play does decide to do with that character. Wait a minute. What's that? Something seems to be approaching. Monsters. Looks like Elias is leaving. Oh, jeez! Watch out! <laughs> Why are you knocking people over on your way out? <laughs> all right. After the Mordorian stole my thunder with all that otherworldly news, we can now return to the battle segment. Now, we're gonna start with our warm-up battle and. Me and the Angels, we're going to be reading, rooting for the T-800 model from the Terminator series. And what about you, ASAP? Uh, today, um, I will be looking at the Jungle Hunter, the Predator, the Yapja. Alright, so why don't you flesh that out a little bit? Alright, so for the Jungle Hunter in particular, the this Jungle Hunter began hunting humans that were considered worthy prey during the hottest of summers. And he hunted victims that would earn the title... In Spanish, it says El Diablo que hace trofeos de los hombres, which literally means um, the demon who earns trophies by killing men. Okay. And he's basically heavily equipped with a lot of pretty nice weapons. Yeah, so you got like your plasma caster and wrist blades and all that fancy <laughs> stuff. And maybe even a bomb, so Indeed. to speak. Indeed. Well, guess what? Our T-800 doesn't need weapons necessarily because we're – for our durability output, we can take a very nice well-aimed gunshot to the chest and it won't do anything. You guys, you get shot at not a particular – if you get shot in your armor, you're fine. But if you don't, you get shot and you start bleeding and then you bleed, what, glowy glow stick blood? <laughs> And so we'll, Terminators are very smart, actually. They're, they're not just some dumb idiots. They're able to adapt to the situation in which they are given. So if they as start seeing that, yeah, I recognize a, that. But if they start seeing that, if it bleeds and it bleeds glow stick blood, hey, we can track this. And then you're screwed. I mean, their plasma cannons could just aim directly for the Terminator's head. And they're not as quick targets as other notable prey. All right, that's true. But I mean, I'm just thinking cuz terminators they they can make use of anything as a potential weapon, honestly. Like in the if if you look at the movies, especially in the first one, you see him commandeer a number of weapons. From uh what? Uh in in the first movie he mainly cops a pistol. In the second movie he goes to like uh, claiming a shotgun and using a freaking railgun on a on a on a helicopter. So basically, what I'm saying is there is a wide array of weapons that the Terminator can use in an environment, whereas the Yautja are limited to their only weapon set. But albeit they do have a very overpowered weapon set. Indeed, and on top of that, they're highly flexible and adaptable, and are able to assimilate to any environment that they get into which makes them very unique 
and live up to their name of predators. And yeah. of course, they they're very stealthy, obviously. Okay, so I guess if we're going to declare a winner of some sorts, it's really a stalemate because it really depends on the battle conditions that these two opponents are thrown into. If the predator is going on the stealthy approach, fine. He could just one-shot him in the head and the processor will get damaged and it'll be done. Which he usually does, as is the jungle predator. Yes, but if we're looking at our durability factor, then maybe the T-800 could stand a very formidable chance. And given that it's also just as adaptable, it can it can really put up a good fight. Yeah. So I'll just declare this one a stalemate. At least from the Angels' end. We don't really give up very easily. I mean, you don't rule the Earth for a number of years and just, like, you know, say we're done. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, Mordor, you know, doesn't really know the Yautja like that. But at least we could acknowledge their abilities enough to favor them over the Terminators. All right. So that happened. Now, moving on, we're going to be looking at our feature prize fight. The dreaded Thanos versus Darkseid. Oof. So, I'm going to give you a brief history of Thanos as the character. This is a history more conceived in the comic book universe, not the MCU iteration. So Thanos was a character that was created by writer-artist Jim Starlin, and his first appearance was in The Invincible Iron Man number 55 back in 1973. So this is a character that has direct influences from Darkseid itself. Um, when he was creating the character, apparently this guy was Jim Starlin, he was in college as a... He was taking a psychology class, right? And he came up with the character, and he spoke to one of the Marvel editors, and, and he brought this idea to him, and he said, hey, this is what my take of Thanos is. He was a much thinner character. The Marvel editor, which his name was Roy Thomas, he decided, you know what, make him a little bit bigger. As they continue to conceptualize this character, um, this is around the time that Jack Kirby was bringing out the new gods. And so he said, well, if you're going to steal somebody, why don't you steal from Darkseid himself? Because he was pretty much the badass of the DC New Gods universe. So as a character himself, Thanos was a, a character that was born on Saturn's moon of Titan. Um, he was born to two Eternals, Alars and Suisan, who was the sole survivor of a civil war that devastated the, the moon of Titan. Um, Thanos, believe it or not, was directly responsible for the iteration of Drax the Destroyer because Thanos became such a powerful character that his own father realized how, how powerful and evil he was. And so um, he, Alars, pleaded to his own father, Kronos, to see if there was a way to stop him. And so Kronos decided, you know what, I'm going to create this this character, Drax the Destroyer, to counteract Thanos. So Thanos, in all iterations, has always been obsessed with the Mistress Death. Mm -hmm. Every every iteration that we've seen of Thanos has always been 
one where he's tried to impress um, death. And in the Infinity Saga, um, his direct reason for killing half of the life was to impress death. Now, death was always a character that looked at Thanos and saw him as not being an equal to her. And so every time that they spoke, it was always through the interim of somebody else. She never spoke to Thanos directly. And so Thanos, you know, he heard about the cosmic cube. He came to Earth, you know, looking for that. Ended up finding out about the, the Infinity Gems. Uh, created the gauntlet. And believe it or not, once he created the gauntlet, it actually made him more powerful than Death herself. Um, and still, she wouldn't speak to him. So he got so frustrated. That's when the Thanos snap happened. And... Um, Eventually, what happened, the character Warlock, Galactus, um, his father, Death herself came after Thanos to try and stop him because they felt that he was unworthy of the gauntlet and he had killed half the universe. He ended up killing them, too. That's how powerful Thanos was. Uh, the only way that he was stopped was he became overconfident, thought he didn't need his body. He ended up going into an astral form, and that's when Nebula came in, grabbed the gauntlet, and undid everything that Thanos um, did prior to that. So um, eventually Thanos was drifted into space. He came back. Um, the gauntlet went to Warlock. And much like in the MCU movies, Thanos decided to retire, ended up on a planet, became a farmer, mm -hmm. said he didn't want to do this anymore. He just wanted to live a quiet life. So basically, that's Thanos in a nutshell. A little bit different from the iteration that we get in MCU. The MCU, he's more philanthropic. He says, you know what? There is no instance of Mistress of Death in the MCU. He just believes that what he's doing is the correct thing, that the balance of life is has been shifted he needs to kind of reset the universe, and that's what the MCU Thanos is, which is very different from the comic book Thanos. Very much so. All right. So that was Thanos. Us Angels will be backing Darkseid. Now, Darkseid was originally introduced in the... Let me see here. He was originally introduced in DC Comics Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen issue number 134, and made a full appearance in The Forever People, the first one, which came out in February of 1971. The character himself is the ruler of a planet called Apocalypse, which is supposed to be like sort of a, another version of Hell, and it's located in the fourth world. And so basically, Darkseid is the son of this dictator of this world called Yugakan. And what basically happens is, um, at least in the New 52 iteration, uh, Darkseid, formerly known as Euxus, was fed up with the, with the institution of the old gods, which were beings that fed off of the prayers of mortals to stay strong. And so basically what he did was he whispered into their ears all this kind of like lies like, oh... Uh, you know what this guy said about you? Yeah, he said that. Oh, you know what he said? Yeah. And so basically, they got them to fight each other. And they were so badly beaten by each other that what he did was he took that opportunity to kill them. And, like, basically 
absorb their essence somewhat. And he did this to the point where he became Darkseid, the fully powered ruler of Apocalypse. And during that time, he killed his father so that he could become the ruler. Okay, so in order to dig a little bit deeper into Thanos versus Darkseid, we do have to talk about the abilities that they have. Um, so Thanos, of course, the Mad Titan is and always has been one of the most powerful beings in the Marvel Universe. He's not, at least the older version of Thanos, is not on the level of some beings like the Living Tribunal or Eternity or any of the, the more powerful cosmic beings in the Marvel Universe. As mentioned before, he wasn't as strong as Death or any of those other abstracts, but he is still incredibly powerful. Now, Thanos, in in any iteration, whether you're talking about the comic books or even you can talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even though we're not digging too much into that at all in this discussion, has incredible superhuman strength to the point where he can easily take on characters like the Hulk uh, or Thor. Uh, there's an instance where he fought Thor. Thor had the power of the Power Stone and Thanos was still able to take him out. So his, his superhuman strength is almost without equal. He's easily able to take on a group of the most powerful Avengers in the Marvel Universe. His durability is also basically on a whole other level. Now, this battle is going to be a little bit interesting because, in a way, both of our characters are kind of immortal. Thanos, of course, being banned by death from her realm. Um, but either way, his invulnerability, or his durability, I should say, is pretty impressive. One of the things that is always mentioned is that Black Bolt has the ability to destroy planets with his scream and Thanos, or I should say, yeah, Th Black Bolt has the ability to destroy planets with his scream and he point blank basically shouted in Thanos' face and Thanos just took it like it was nothing. So he has incredible durability. You know, he's able to take beatings from the Hulk. Again, he's able to take on Thor. He's taken on... Galactus and almost won. He wasn't able to defeat Galactus, but Galactus was not able to defeat him either. Um, and so his durability is on a great level. He has a, a great power to manipulate cosmic energy to the point where he's able to do it on the level with some other cosmic characters like the Silver Surfer. He's been able to create force fields that can repel Mjolnir, Thor's hammer. Um, his force field is actually one of his strongest powers. It's able to block things like there was an instance that I believe he was fighting Tyrant, who is one of Galactus's heralds, the most powerful one, if I'm not mistaken. And Ty he was able to block Tyrant's energy blast, even though Tyrant was ev eventually able to overwhelm him. And again, this is all without the Infinity Gauntlet. We're not using that as any kind of weapon that he's going to acquire in this one. Another big thing that he can do is he can manipulate matter. Now, he's not like Molecule Man, who can basically just change reality to anything he wants. Um, in the previous iteration, Mar Molecule Man was actually one of the most powerful beings in the universe. And Thanos is almost but not quite on his level in the ability to reform matter and to change it to his will. Um, some would say that his ability to do that is probably, again, not on the level of Molecule Man, but more on a smaller scale like planetary or maybe galaxy level ability to manipulate. Um, so he has great power there as well. Thanos has great psychic abilities as such as telepath, uh, telepathy and telekinesis. Um, and one of the, one of the beings that he's been able to take on that does have great telepathic power is Galactus. As we all know, Galactus uses his telepathic power to gain his various heralds, 
He controls their minds, gives them powers. So Thanos is able to resist that power of Galactus. Um, he's also probably, you could put him on a level close to Xavier. His mind control abilities on our great level too. One of the things that he did was uh, the Hulk is very resistant. One of the most resistant characters in all of Marvel, actually, to telepathic attacks and telepathic control. And on more than one occasion, I'm pretty sure he's he's. There was one occasion where he made the Hulk attack the rest of the Avengers, and I think this is the newer Thanos. But he basically made Hulk his pet dog. So those are some pretty powerful psychic abilities, I could say. Um, he has skills of magic. He's probably nowhere near, say, the level of a Doctor Strange. But the fact that he has magical ability just adds another layer of power to him. Um, again, Thanos is immortal. He's immortal because he's an eternal and a deviant. But he's also immortal because, well, death doesn't really like him very much and said, you know what, when you die, stay the heck away from me, dude. I'm not interested in you. Then, you know, another important thing that's really, really good to mention about Thanos is he is a genius. So not only does he have all of these abilities inherently, but he's augmented them over the years with his intelligence by, you know, using eternal technology or by coming up with his own technology, coming up with his own way to increase his power and to increase his energy. So Thanos has a pretty awesome set of skills. That's a basic breakdown of him. In the dark side corner, we angels have compiled quite a list of abilities ourselves, if not very similar to Thanos's. For one, let's look at his new god, Physiology. Well, because he's a new god, he lives outside of normal time and space and possesses a great amount of genetic and evolutionary stability. One can even say perfection. He's immortal, which means he can't age. He's stronger. He's faster. And he's very, very intelligent than other beings in the universe. Superhuman strength is another one of his powers. Darkseid is really, really powerful. He His strength is known to have been o o overpowering beings such as Superman. Um, I believe he once crushed a Green Lantern ring with his bare hands. And that Green Lantern rings, those, those aren't just like cheap plastic toys they wear. <laughs> Though they're made of um, what? They're like... They're a hybridization of metal and willpower. This guy breaks it with his bare hands. Superhuman speed. While he – don't be fooled by his size. He can actually be pretty fast. And his speed has been enough to even stun the likes of Superman, who is another fast character in the DC Universe. Uh, and accompanying all this superhuman attributes, he also has superhuman stamina, which means he gets – tired very much less easily and this is probably a factor of his new god physiology and like thanos he has a great degree of invulnerability also tying into his new god physiology and he can and he's immune to all forms of damage be it physical mental emotional that's another thing he is very controlled when it comes to his emotions he is not one to easily get angered even though he comes off as a very angry character he keeps his emotions in check and one of his more powerful abilities is his use of the omega effect and it's a cosmic energy that allows him to travel through time teleport other people disintegrate beings to literally atoms 
and it can even dis displace people. Like he, well, there's been instances where he's even used the Omega effect to once he's destroyed people with the Omega beams, he's actually been seen to bring them back using the Omega beams. And that is pretty crazy. He also has the ability, uh, I mean, not the ability, the power of telepathy, which means he can read and attack and invade minds anywhere in the universe. He, he's not limited by distance. And this also goes into mind control. And it's been stated that he can take over at least 100 individuals at once. And that's that's a pretty... That's a pretty nifty feat. And that's, mind you, without the anti-life equation, which is something that can allow every single being in the universe to be in, in, enthralled to him. Without that, he can enslave 100 people with his mind alone. He also has the power of telekinesis. He can also alter his size, but that's kind of... Uh, that's already done with the boom tube because... On a, if you, the boom tube not only acts as uh, a way to get to apocalypse, but it's also uh, a way of evening the playing field. Because let's say if Superman were to travel all the way to apocalypse without the use of a boom tube, he would be faced with a titanically sized dark side. Because in the fourth world, they're actually humongous. Like, think, um, if you guys have ever played God of War, think the Titans like Gaia and all that. These guys are humongous. And the only reason why we don't see them as humongous is because oftentimes they're traveling through boom tube, so that alters their size. But aside from that, Darkseid has the ability to alter his own size without the use of uh, boom tubes. Some abilities he has in his possession is that he has a genius-level intellect he is known for being a very, very, very talented tactical analyst. And under his leadership, uh, I don't know if you guys know, uh, the parademons are normally his, like, shock grunts. Yeah. And they're normally very, very dumb, very stupid. They're brute strength. But under him, they can, like, just break through any defense. Like, he, he's so coordinated with them that they actually become a deadly enemy. That's that's his um, his genius. That's that attests to his genius level intellect. Another one of his abilities is his intimidation. Being the new god of evil, he he and aside from his demeanor, he is very intimidating. So he he likes to play with that from time to time, if um, if it's if it's a factor. Another thing is he is an expert combatant. Even before he became dark side. He was a very talented apocalyptic warrior. And he held his and to this day, he holds his own against powerful opponents such as Superman. And despite his impressive fighting skills, he rarely resorts to this because dark side, he's the kind of person who likes to do things from the background. It's only if he deems a fighter worthy of his skill that he will actually go in and physically combat them. And then, of course, there is his indomitable will. Remember how I was saying before that he has a very good grasp on his emotions? Well, that also applies to a number of different things. He's very, and it also factors into his invulnerability, because 
he he's so he's so resistant, especially if you're gonna try like telepathic attacks. He just like no problem because he has such a mastery over himself that it's just it's not even a factor. It's it's very very nuts. And that is my brief overview of Darkseid, his powers and abilities from the Angel's point of view. So, in order to have our battle on Pizza Planet, we're going to decide, I guess, basically, individually, how they compare in each of their traits. So, first off, we can kind of see who we think is stronger. So, for Thanos, in the Marvel Universe, he has basically physically dominated any character that has super strength. He is repeatedly beating the beating the Hulk, who's always been said to be physically the strongest character in the Marvel Universe. And even though it's always been the point has always been made that the Hulk technically has no upper limit to his strength because he gets stronger the matter he gets every time, including again in Avengers: Infinity War, the recent movie, Thanos meets up with the Hulk. He usually just ends up slapping him around, physical strength wise. Thanos is of the beings that are not, say, the cosmic level beings, like the abstracts, death, and all that, who don't really need physical strength. He's probably as strong as you can get in the Marvel Universe. Nobody has ever been able to physically match him. So if you put Thanos at the top of the Marvel Universe in terms of strength, I don't know. How does Darkseid compare? Can he beat that? Um, I'd say he can, because okay. not only does he fight powerhouses like Superman, True. he has taken the entire Justice League at once. Thanos you're has talking, taken on all the Avengers. You're talking The Flash, mm -hmm. you're talking Cyborg, you're mm -hmm. talking Wonder Woman, mm -hmm. very big powerhouse. Mm -hmm. You're talking Superman, also very big powerhouse. Not as big a powerhouse, but... You also have Green Lantern. With yeah. his constructs, he can be very formidable. Mm -hmm. He's seen as just shattering those things with his bare hands. This is true. This is true. But you see, at the same time, when you think about the type of characters that Thanos takes on, he's he's taken on Mjolnir and just slapped it aside. Thor's hammer means nothing to him. Uh, you know, like I said, he's taken on the Hulk. He's taken on Thor without the use of Mjolnir. What, I mean, he's he's fought... His his son, who is physically very powerful, Thane. Um, you know, he has fought all of the Avengers in the past before, including your Iron Mans, and um, you know, he's he's fought characters uh, like Sentry, who's very powerful in the Marvel Universe. He's basically Marvel's version of Superman, and he slapped him aside. Um, he's fought himself. He's fought himself too, which is another weird one. <laughs> um, I guess really, and this is a weird one, the only character that ever seems to be able to, I don't want to say defeat Thanos, but maybe because he's his friend, is Adam Warlock. But that's a whole different level altogether. In that range, though, you could say, I don't know, you could say Thanos' strength probably would be a match, at least for Darkseid, if not stronger. All right. Here's my comeback, though. So you know how the Justice League, they, they, they can't even contend with him, right? Mm -hmm. But he has fought someone of probably greater strength, mm -hmm. and this is the Anti-Monitor. The Anti-Monitor is kind of like the Galactus of the DC Universe, but instead of eating planets, mm -hmm. this guy eats entire multiverses. Okay. And he was able, were it not for the fact that the Anti-Monitor pulled a twist on him, he probably would have beaten him. And they're both new gods. Okay. Mind you. And new gods, like I said, 
They are the top tier in forms of strength, in forms of intelligence, in mm -hmm. forms of anything of the physical category. All right, all right. So, so I mean, if anything, I would say they're at equal, but with the from an angelic bias, I'm gonna have to go dark side. Is that a physical strength thing? I don't know, but that's okay. Like for now, we could say that that's how we argue for the side of both of these characters. All right, so. Their durability. Let's talk about that a little bit, because mm -hmm. Thanos has more than often enough, as we've as we mentioned before, he's taken point black screams from Black Bolt, which is enough to destroy a planet okay. like nothing. Mjolnir does nothing to him. Um, cosmic beings have beaten him in combat, but they can't kill him. And when I say kill him again, his it, because he's banned from death, he's actually had his physical body destroyed before in certain iterations of comics mm -hmm. those are usually under weird circumstances yeah. or like drax did it in one comic and drax as we've discussed before was built to kill thanos so it kind of makes sense but he has been he's basically tanked just about every superhero in the marvel universe and some cosmic beings again galactus again being one of them mm -hmm. he's taken on galactus so he at, at the very least, can survive cosmic-level threats, people who basically can probably destroy the Marvel Universe on their own without any assistance, without any Affinity Gauntlets, without any feats, or without anything extra. So, I don't know. I think Thanos' durability is pretty impressive. What do you think about Darkseid? How does he compare? Well, there's this element in the that is very deadly to new world Newton. I mean, sorry, new world. There's fourth worlders mm -hmm. called radion. Okay. And basically even in the smallest amounts of it, it can be very lethal to new gods. Okay. Dark side has at least on more than one occasion, maybe been shot with it because it can be shot. Okay. It's like kryptonite kind of yeah. It's kryptonite. And even like, cause a shot would generally kill a new God. Mm -hmm. He doesn't die. Okay. That's one thing. Another thing that I would like to bring to the table is if we're going spanning different comic books, there has been a point where he's actually technically died. And that's where his mm -hmm. son Orion fulfills a prophecy and basically kills his father. But. But. But his spirit lingered on. And for the mere fact that his spirit was lingering on. It generated the final crisis, which is basically where his presence was dragging down all of reality into oblivion because it was still there and not quite anchored to a body. Okay. Okay. Um, another durability point for Thanos is that in the, in, in the Marvel Comics universe, um, he is – before he has gathered the Infinity Goal in the past – he is able to uh, to withstand the power of the individual Infinity Stones. And remember, the Infinity Stones, as the name implies, have infinite power. Yeah. So if you're able to get attacked by the Power Stone or the Reality Stone, which those are different types of effects, I guess. But let's say the Power Stone, for instance. Obviously, that's just brute strength. Yeah. And again, it has to be mentioned, one of the, him fighting Thor with the Power Stone that's a pretty impressive level of power when you have a godlike being who's almost on the level of, say, an Odin, who, by the way, he's also fought and been able to at least withstand his attacks. He's withstood the Phoenix Force. 
Um, and you know, as you know, the Phoenix Force is one of the most powerful yeah. um, of you know forces in the Marvel universe. So I think his durability would probably at least be on a level of um, of a dark side. And being able to resist cosmic beings, I don't know how much experience Darkseid has with that, other than, like you said, the Anti-Monitor is probably something that would qualify, but Thanos is taking them all on, with or without the Infinity Gauntlet. So you could say that that gives a little bit of a check mark, at least in, in the Thanos camp over here, for Thanos being a little bit stronger. That's but fair enough. I don't know. Again, we'll decide that in a moment. Now... Let's talk about uh, let's talk about cosmic energy manipulation. I think I can I want to let you start with this one because Darkseid definitely has very very uh, iconic cosmic energy manipulation. Yes, Thanos can do that too, but it's a huge part of Darkseid's character. So why don't you oh, tell yes. us a little bit about that? So, like I said earlier, the Omega beams are his most powerfully featured weapon. And what this allows him to do is he can do a number of things with it. Mm -hmm. He can disintegrate beings, completely erase them from time itself. <laughs> okay. He can resurrect beings, beings that he is completely wiped away from time itself, and simply reconstitute them. Okay, okay. And then there was even one iteration where he used his Omega Beams to send someone back in time. Okay, that's intriguing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically, the Omega Beams just have such a wide variety of powers that they can use, overpowered ones, and it's just, it's completely insane. And going with the uh, Omega Beam uh, category, I, I forgot to mention this earlier, I'm sorry, but it also features molecular dispersion, where he's able to dissipate and dispense the molecules of an object or an organism effectively erasing them from existence. That's going into the just completely disintegrating them. <laughs> and just that level of minuteness is, is, is completely absurd. Okay. Well, I mean, let's say also, even though Thanos isn't as iconically known for directing a specific force of energy like Omega Beams, which are pretty cool. You gotta, I have to admit that when you watch yeah. Darkseid shoot beams from his eyes and then they turn freaking corners oh, yeah. to Pinpoint attack Superman. precision, by the way. That's pretty cool, I have to admit. But Thanos is no slouch either because he is able to take on some of the most powerful cosmic beings in the universe in terms of energy manipulation. And it has to be brought up again. Galactus is one of the most powerful beings in the God's the Marvel Universe, pardon me, and he has taken Galactus on in terms of energy blasts. He's been able to withstand them. He's been able to attack them with him, with them, and do a lot of damage. Silver Surfer, being one of his heralds, is also very skilled at energy manipulation, and he's been able to take him on in the past, too. Plus, this is important, ties a little bit into Thanos' intelligence, but his Space Throne, which is actually something that he invented, allows him to further increase the power of his energy and abilities. I don't know if we're including any kind of wep weapons here, but that could tie into his intelligence. So I don't really know if I'm cheating. Thanos can increase his cosmic power and his cosmic energy manipulation. So I don't know about this one. Maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but I think Thanos is still pretty formidable when it comes to energy manipulation. I don't know about you, but Darkseid's pretty good. I still like my boy. Let's talk a little bit about their ability to manipulate matter, because that's something they can both do. And again, as I said earlier, Thanos can manipulate matter to a scale that's probably maybe planetary or galaxy level. 
But the other thing that I want to talk about more so than his ability to manipulate matter is he is able to survive, and this is even the older versions of Thanos, he's able to survive in different realities with different laws of physics, different everything. There's been comic books where like, he's been sent through these different realities and you see his form changing. You okay. see him turning into all kinds of weird things like blocks or whatever else, kind of like what he did to Drax in the reality, you know, or with the reality stone uh-huh. in uh, Avengers Infinity War. So even though his ability to manipulate matter isn't the strongest, his ability to withstand matter manipulation along the lines of, say, a dark side trying to disintegrate him, that ain't going to work, buddy. He's not going to be able to do it. Dark side is not going to be able to tear my boy apart. And, hey, like I said, he can manipulate matter on a pretty high level himself. I don't know if you think Thanos can beat him on this one. All right, well, here's here's the thing about that. Well, like I mentioned earlier, um, Darkseid also, he has his size alteration thing, so that's one of the things he has going for him. So, essentially, he could get so large, and so that'll also <laughs> increase his mash. Uh, possibly. Possibly. Him. All right, possibly. Possibly. <laughs> but... Otherwise, he Darkseid has been known to uh, use different avatars. And then, I mean, if you just look at the boom tube technology itself, that's supposed to uh, change their form to fit the environment they're visiting. Mm-hmm. So I think on that level, I guess it's kind of aided, but kind of like with the space throne thing, yeah. you could technically make the, the assumption that the boom tube technology can definitely... Uh, uh, establish him in a pretty decent environment yeah i say it's okay to add some of the tech that they built we don't want to as again we don't want to use the anti-life equation or oh the no we're not using that, that no because that goes to a whole other level those are cosmic level weapons but they invented this stuff so i think it's okay to include it i don't know i i, I think most everyone else would agree so okay so their matter manipulation abilities if i'm going to be fair maybe i'll give it a little bit to dark side but at the same time Thanos has been shown to be able to throw to, to turn beings into stone and things like that. So he has a little bit of matter manipulation ability himself. Psychic abilities. Uh, why don't you start with Darkseid and tell us a little bit about that? Well, like I said, even from Apocalypse, from Earth, from uh, version 9.7 of Pluto, <laughs> anywhere in the universe, he can snag someone's mind. And he can do at least 100 people. That's at minimum. 100 people stated, and that's without hmm. the anti-life equation. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, Thanos does have both telepathic and telekinetic abilities. Um, he has been able to use it in the past almost to the level of some of the most powerful psychics in the Marvel Universe, like a Jean Grey or a Professor X. So you can definitely consider him top three, maybe, of the most powerful you know, characters in terms of uh, telepathy in the Marvel Universe. He has withstood psychic attacks from other powerful characters like Mantis or Moondragon. So his power is, is, is very good at resisting in terms of telepathy. He can also do something similar to what Darkseid does. He can manipulate people and control them. He doesn't have to, you know, be around them or anything like that. He can do it from a distance. Um, and he's driven people insane and imprisoned them in their mind using that ability. So he definitely has very powerful telepathic abilities as well. And as mentioned earlier, one of the most powerful characters at resisting telepathy in the Marvel Universe, surprisingly enough, 
is the Hulk, and he's taken the Hulk and turned him into his pet. So right. that's fine say, and all, that's but pretty impressive. My 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 <laughs> clapback on that is going to be his indomitable will feat because this guy, all like right. I said earlier. He has his emotions in check. And as you know, emotions can be a very difficult thing to wade through at times. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, but I have fact, seen him get flustered. If he starts to lose, like, to Superman or somebody else, he does sometimes get a little emotional. All right. Sometimes. But that's when those are those are the key scenarios. Mm, yeah, I guess if you're going up against Superman and he starts punching you in the face, that probably would be something that frustrates you a little bit, too. Yes, especially <laughs> since you're a new god and you're like, what the hell is this whole thing doing who is this Kal-El fellow yeah. trying to do damage to me? This makes no sense. Um, okay, well, I mean, in terms of their other abilities, his uh, his telekinetic abilities are actually very formidable as well. Again, it has to be mentioned that he's had the ability to fight beings with powerful energy projection like Galactus and all that. It's kind of redundant that we're talking about his abilities in terms of telekinesis. But he also, again, is one of the most powerful beings in the Marvel Universe in terms of telekinesis. And I think... <laughs> That's something that's important to keep mentioning. If Thanos is not the most powerful being in each individual area, he's top tier. He's top three, maybe something like that. So if you consider all of his balanced abilities and how strong he is and everything, I think that's pretty impressive. Something that's not as highly mentioned when it comes to Thanos, he does have the ability to manipulate magic. Um, he's not you know, Dr. Strange level or anything like that. But something that he does do is, like I said, with the Space Throne, mm -hmm. he uses technology and magic together to sort of enhance, enhance, excuse me, enhance mm -hmm. his ability. Does Darkseid have any kind of abilities like that that you can compare to? Well, generally, the only thing I can draw on is is his ability to drain the power from old gods. And these are the guys that were before the new gods mm -hmm. and are generally considered more powerful. Okay. Okay, so that could be something that could sort of match Thanos. Um, but I guess he doesn't really use his intellect with his magical ability or any kind of mystical ability his, to the his, same level, maybe. His, the, Omega, his, the Omega effect is more his yes, mystical thing. And, and not only that, magical thing. His, his analysis is more of a, a tactical analysis. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah, I mean, speaking of tactical, we can talk a little bit about their intelligence, too. One thing that I can say for both of our characters is that Thanos... And Darkseid, their tendency is that they, you know, with all these abilities and strengths that they have, they don't tend to actually fight as often. I will say that Thanos probably does get involved and fight more often just because he's a little more cocky, I think, than Darkseid. Like you said, Darkseid is a little more controlled, so he likes to pull the strings. And yes. then only at the absolute end when all of his plans have fallen through because his power demons suck. Or somebody else screwed things up. Or he finds his opponent. Right? Then, he, then he gets involved. Thanos probably gets involved a little bit more. But they do both possess a genius level intellect. They're yes. probably among the most intelligent beings in their universe. Oh, Thanos yes. having created a lot of different technology. Having done a lot of great things on the planet Titan. Uh, what about Darkseid? Let me put it to you this way. I don't know if you remember the Superman, the Justice League animated series. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's pretty far-fetched but i don't know if you remember brainiac yeah he's like the top tier the complete mm -hmm. top tier of intellect in the uh, dc universe he outsmarted him okay and he basically was able to not only manipulate superman but manipulate brainiac okay into 
into getting and achieving his own ends. And that I think speaks to his to his genius level intellect because he was able to outsmart the what who's considered the most smartest being in the whole of the DC universe. And this is a guy that collects information from entire worlds okay. and subsumes it into his persona. That's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. Um, Thanos more, com you would compare him maybe to beings like a Dr. Doom, who actually is one of the most intelligent beings in the Marvel universe. This is why he constantly actually ends up either being involved in schemes to save it or destroy it. Dr. Doom is pretty much like, you know, in the way a lot of times. And Reed Richards is another person to compare him to. Reed Richards is the smartest human being on earth and also one of the smartest beings in the universe. So you could say that Thanos probably possesses intellect again in the top tier of the Marvel Universe, maybe just like Darkseid in this case. Um, you know, he's he's interacted with other beings like the High Evolutionary and things like that. Uh, he probably possesses the same level of intelligence. So I would say that in that realm, that Thanos would be probably, again, not, if not the smartest, but one of the smartest beings in the Marvel Universe. So, again, maybe it's kind of a draw there. I don't know. They do compare favorably to the smartest beings in their universe. Um, and, you know, we're just going to have to mention this last part because a lot of times when you have these kinds of beatdowns, I think what we're going to say is the winner is usually going to be the one that dies first, right? Yes. But they can't die. So we have to consider who's going to make the other guy fall first. Well, right? just that's actually to, what it is, I think. For For me... What I really want to point out is the – I know you said that Darkseid can't rip him apart, but the Omega Beams are still very incredibly powerful. They are. In terms of making – I'm going to go back – though, right? Superman has – maybe not full blast. I don't know, but Superman has withstood Omega Beams. I've seen it all the time. Yes, but mm -hmm. we also have um, – when he fought the Anti-Monitor, mm -hmm. he was actually able to make him bleed using the Omega Beams. And mind you. This is the guy that subsumes entire multiverses. Okay. That level of durability is in and of itself insane already. All and not right. only was he able to pierce his armor, he was able to make him bleed. All right, all right, all right. Well, they're both immortal. Neither one of them is going to die in this battle. One of them has to win. Is there anything else you want to say for Darkseid in closing? Well, aside from the fact that he's badass. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just it for me. Like... Yeah, the Angels, we're backing up hard on this one. Well, you know what? Thanos, the Mad Titan, is unbeatable unless you're talking about Squirrel Girl. So based on everything I just heard between Metatron and Jose, I've come to the conclusion that in this battle between two ultra badasses, Darkseid would ultimately triumph because apparently he's the living definition of OP. Right next to Godzilla and my lord Morgoth. <laughs> hey yo, the right. kaiju. And uh, I know that I, I can, I've been called a Marvel zombie before, <laughs> but um, you know, I'm I'm gonna have to agree with Balrog here on this one. Um, Thanos is formidable, mm -hmm. he is strong, but Darkseid does seem to have. A little bit of an upper hand. Oh, I tried, you know. Thanos. I tried. <laughs> Thanos, Thanos is cool. Thanos, listen, it, we there was a Marvel versus DC crossover where they wanted to put Thanos and Darkseid fighting against each other. 
they never got around to it. Apparently, uh, in that comic book, there was a there was an entity called the Brothers who kind of merged the two realities together. They never got around to fight each other. Um, but you know, one of the things that Darkseid did say, I mean, um, Thanos did say in observing some of the battles that was happening, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And you know what? This fight here between Darkseid and Thanos, it does put a smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> that could work. That could yeah. work. Well, you know what? I'll say this much. This doesn't even get into the level of the newly rebooted Thanos and the newly rebooted Darkseid oh, from the yeah. brand new Marvel and DC stories that occurred after, I believe, Secret Wars and the most recent Infinity story that happened just a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and the new 52 where Darkseid has a whole new level of power. Actually, we've gone even further level after the new 52 because DC then went into their rebirth, rebirth stage. So, so we've got even another iteration of Darkseid. That's a topic for another, perhaps, beatdown. I would say that in the future, Metatron and I are going to do our research. And we're going to find out a little bit more about how powerful Thanos is now. Uh, I'll give you guys a little bit of a hint. I do know that apparently Thanos, in his base form now, is stronger than the previous iteration of Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet. But we'll talk more about that at a future date. I don't know. Right. I think that was our beatdown. I'm a little upset. Thanos lost. I got to... Shake your hand, Meta. Good, Good job point. defending Darkseid. Good job arguing Darkseid. ASAP agrees. Walt agrees. So I guess that's our first beatdown, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We really want to thank you for joining us. From Pop Culture Over Pizza, I am Jose. Find us on Twitter at PCOP Podcast. And let's say goodbye, gentlemen. Later, guys. Metatron signing off from Angel Radio. Here for me in a future... Quick slice. See y'all soon. Peace.